You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. I am really glad that you're here today. So our church family is focused on community right now. We've been, our sermon series on Sunday um, is all about the unity of the church, the strength of community, the prophetic message that we declare to the world when people from different backgrounds and uh, different social settings can come together and find a common place in Jesus and love one another in in a radical way that looks different than the world around us. And for today's podcast, I just wanted to choose a devotion about the unity of the church that has, for most of my Christian walk, it's been a very formative passage for me. You know, one of the passages that I go back to over and over again when I'm thinking about um, the unity of the church. So I want to read from John chapter 17. I'll start in verse 20. And I want everybody to, just, just a couple of verses, I want everybody to hear the appeal from Jesus to God the Father for unity. So this is a pretty powerful moment. I mean, he is about to be arrested and go to the cross. His work um, is coming to its great fulfillment. And this prayer is essentially the last words in John's gospel that Jesus utters as a free man before uh, before people come to arrest him. And so you see his heart in the words of this prayer. So as the prayer uh, nears its end, this is what he says. John seventeen twenty. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray all for, also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Uh, I want to walk through this passage because there's a couple of really cool things just verse by verse that pop out for me regarding unity. So in verse 20, you see that Jesus is praying for us and the prayer request of Jesus is that God through his spirit would unify the church. So how about this? How about every time you choose to love your neighbor, to not judge your neighbor, to not condemn, to be a peacemaker, to go the extra mile, to prioritize somebody else, to not think more highly of yourself, to forgive. Every time you engage one of the means of Christian virtue that allow for the unity of the church, you are responding with the Spirit of God to the prayer request of Jesus. You're making sure that His will is done in the church where you worship during your lifetime. I thought that was fantastic. I also want to point out that Jesus said, I'm praying not just for them, not just for the disciples that were living at the time, but for all of those who will believe through their message. You know, the complexity of the unity of the church is going to increase exponentially in the next few years after Jesus prayed this prayer. And the reason for that is because up until this time, uh, the believers who were following him were really Jews who decided to follow him 
for what he'd revealed to them of himself as the Messiah. Now, in John's gospel, you already see some division. You know, for example, the synagogue leaders um, are rejecting the followers of Jesus. You know, in John chapter 9, the blind man was healed by Jesus, um, and he's he's threatened with being kicked out of the synagogue. His parents are afraid of the pressure from the religious leaders. So you already do see, you know, division, even when it's just Jewish people deciding if they want to follow Jesus or not. But when the apostles start preaching and people start to believe to their message, you're going to see an increase um, not only in Judaism but outside Judaism. And the unity of the church is going to depend on the ability of this body of new believers to love one another across all barriers and all demographic boundaries. So Gentiles are going to have to love Jews. Jews are going to have to love Gentiles. You're going to have to be able to demonstrate unity, uh, for example, in Corinth across socioeconomic lines where their Lord's Supper meal uh, was offended because the wealthy were coming and eating first. They were paying for the banquet and the slaves who got off later were coming and there was no food left. There was no place for them at the table. So you're going to have to be able to allow the body of Christ to be unified above socioeconomic boundaries, above um, boundaries of ethnicity or background. So that's going to be a huge challenge. Like That is the challenge of the early church. It's not getting people to unite who are all like each other, get everybody to think the same thing. Rather, it's getting diverse people from different backgrounds to unite so powerfully around their new common thing, which is Jesus, that they can re-identify as one humanity. In Ephesians, Jesus talks, uh, Paul talks about how the death of Christ uh, and the, you know, the launch of the gospel was tearing down the dividing wall between people so that Jesus could make one new humanity out of the two vastly different groups, Jew and Gentile. So Jesus is praying for those who would come to believe through the apostles' message because he knew that unity of the church would be a challenge. You know, just in our lifetimes, uh, you know, we see the struggles for unity, not, not only sometimes in, in differences in denominations or even differences between members of the same denominations, but we see difference still see challenges um, you know, based on, on race, on background experience, um, you know, on what your, your life history is. You know, if you're recovering from addictions and you feel judged or, you know, if you came from a different background or a different socioeconomic class as somebody else in church. And this is really not a one-way street. It's a two-way street, you know. It doesn't matter which side of any divide you're on. I think you can still find yourself exercising your biases and judging the other side of the fence. But Jesus is praying for unity. So uh, as I go to verse 21, he's praying for unity so that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, that they may also be in us and the world may believe that you've sent me. Two things here. Number one, the unity of the church is a reflection of the unity of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, reflecting perfect love and unity. So the church is a reflection of God on earth. But if we're not loving each other well, if we're bickering, if we're backbiting, if we're fighting for our way, if we're taking cheap shots, if we're making passive aggressive comments that are dividing us from each other, well, then we're not reflecting the unity of of the, of the Lord, of our Heavenly Father. The other thing is that our unity in verse 21, Jesus prays for this so that 
the world would believe that he had been sent. Well, what if the confidence that our watching world has in the church depends on the unity of the church? In other words, if we can't love each other well, if the idea of the gospel, if the power of the Holy Spirit, if the transformation from the inside out from Jesus, if that is happening uh, so poorly in the church that it doesn't show in our unity, well, then the world's not going to believe. So what if our witness totally depended on our love for each other? What if the credibility of our witness depended totally on our love for each other? How would we be faring? And I say this because I want to just press the church to continue growing in Jesus to recognize the value and the importance of of our unity, not just so that we'll feel happy, but so that God will be glorified and so that our witness can be legitimized in the community because other people will come to Christ when they see the power of the gospel, allowing people to love their neighbor who are radically different than themselves. Um, Jesus says in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me so they can be one. Listen, you are equipped for unity. Jesus has given you the spirit. You have what you need to love in a way that is radically different than what you might have inherited from a family structure or a social background or in your community or your class system. You, you have the gifts from Jesus for unity. Think about this. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits of the spirit, don't they create unity? Like, don't most of these fruits of the Spirit teach us how to bear with each other, how to love each other well? They equip us for that. So you have been given the glory from Jesus that you needed to be able to love with great unity. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. The key for unity is abide in the vine of Jesus Christ. You've got to allow Christ to work inside you. Nobody's asking any of us as a church to love radically better just by trying harder. We're asking the church to love radically better by allowing Jesus Christ to be strongly manifested inside us, to work inside us, and to show the power of his footprint inside us. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So our unity is a precursor to our watching community, understanding the love of Jesus the love of the Father for them. So church, I just want to I just want to challenge Carterville as you listen to this podcast. Like what are a couple of things that you can do today to start radically loving one another inside the church different, better? Not, not just a little bit, but on a divine scale that God would allow us to overcome all the normal human impulses that interfere with our unity. All of our selfishness, all of our pride, all of our ego, all of our insecurities, all of our guilt, all of our shame, that Jesus could heal those things and empower the church to love one another until the church um, is such a manifestation of God's love that people look into our doors and cannot explain the unity and the love for each other. So I encourage you, church family, let's embrace the opportunity to be a unified church, to express community on a scale that becomes a powerful and prophetic witness to the watching world for the glory of Jesus. I love you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Listen, if this is encouraging to you or thought-provoking, I encourage you, take out your Bible, read John 17 for yourself, work through that prayer. You know, commit it, commit it to your walk with the Lord. Just you know, write in your journal about it, think it through, and share this podcast with somebody that you think would benefit from thinking about unity in the church today. Let's ask Jesus to lead us into this. In Christ's name, I pray for that. Amen.